Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Hey, hey, welcome to this week's Live in the Studio, Not Frozen in at Home broadcast of the Jesus and Paula Show. Kicking off today, Apostle Ashley Clater with whatever is going to happen. And we say this all the time because we don't know. The last time we were live, we learned about what it is to be a novice to an expert and how you can be doing something for a long time and still be in the novice frame of mind. I had a professor at ORU who would say, I'll say that again. And she used to pull her glasses down to the end. I'll say that again. You could be doing, she's actually just about to retire. You could be doing something for a long time and still be in the novice mentality or stage of that. We think that years or time served equals maturity and promotion in the church. Now, in our job, we know that nothing can be farther from the truth. You can be in your same position, your same job, at the same desk or corner or nook or cranny or wherever you are for 25, 30 years. And that's what you do. Things change as time evolves, companies, whatever. Uh, Hopefully maybe your pay went up a little bit. But you can do the same thing the same way and not mature, not grow, and not promote and not qualify for promotion. And in Christ, it's the same kind of way. You have to qualify for promotion, even if you're called to a particular office, whatever it might be, whatever career. It could be in the body of Christ or out in the world. You know, you could be a, I'm an apostle, an apostle in-house. It could be an attorney out of house, and there's uh, a call on your life. You still have to qualify and earn the right to elevate every step of the way in order to reach that target. You cannot walk around saying, I have a word on my life, like that's an abracadabra. We use that like it's abracadabra. Abracadabra, door open, and I think abracadabra is actually in the proper dictionary, by the way, just as an aside plug. I think it's in there. Is it in there? Yeah, it's in there. Okay. But we do that, so we'll go and say when our back's against the wall, if we hear something we don't like, if we disagree with advisement, counsel, insight, prophecy, then we're going to refute it with, I have a word on my life. It's kind of like when they say on television, I'll do respect to somebody they're about to disrespect them. (laughs) Do respect, I think you're wrong. Yeah, I, 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 you know, with all due respect, I'm going to tell you off. And I'm just letting you know, I'm going to do it respectfully, but I'm still going to do it. As, and I, you, you hear that now. It's so predictable. And I have done script writing, and that kind of predictive text writing irks my nerves at this point. But that's not the point of this. The point of this is that when we hear something we don't like, if we don't want to receive, it. 
I don't receive that, where I don't, whatever. We'll go, we'll revert to our abracadabra, I have a word on my life. Like that's somehow supposed to open people's hearts, open doors, open opportunities, and override our present reality. Because that's the abracadabra mentality. Is well, this door won't open, it's locked, I just say this magical phrase, and it opens. You fail the class, and you want to, you know, tell your professor, whether it's here or somewhere else, but I have to pass this class because I have to become a doctor. And you know what? In the world, well, here too, but in the world, they'll tell you, well, I guess you should have submitted your work as though you intended to become a doctor. You failed me. I didn't fail you. You failed you. You submitted failing work. And so you got the grade you earned, not the grade I gave. And that's a lot how we do with God. A few weeks ago, Dr. Price said at the beginning of the show that the Lord's church is currently insufficient. And I looked up, I'm in a, in a look-up frame of mind because I'm in development. And any time God puts you back in school, or in, these, in this case, kind of keeps you in school, but for sure puts you back in that posture of excelling. It's time to excel, okay? You, you've adjusted here. We're settled. Now, don't get happy. Don't get comfortable. And don't get too proud of yourself. It's time to go back to school. <laughs> That's one thing when you have to submit homework to teachers and professors. It's another when it's the Lord looking down your neck and breathing down your neck about what you're doing. Because when you get to this level, it's do you have the integrity, you should have the discipline in order to be self-motivated toward the next level of excellence. It should not be, well, nobody told me. How come? For our evaluations of our ordained prophets and our commissioned apostles, one of the sections, sections, not just questions, sections is what have you been working on that is not required since your last evaluation? Whose life have you changed? Included with the assigned ones, like we have families and people and clients, but outside of that, whose life have you been touching? That's not mandated, but it's a part of the job. Once you get into a position, it's assumed that you execute the mandates of your position without somebody having to micromanage your execution of that job. And so we don't chase our ordained commission people down like we do our trainees, because if you've gotten that far, it's supposed to be in you. So when she said the Lord's church is currently insufficient, I looked that up on my wonderful apps that I've downloaded, Etymology Online Download app, and part of the meaning of that is inadequate, unable of things, in what is necessary or required. And a lot of ministers, a lot of people are insufficient in who they are supposed to become, lacking in what is necessary or required. When you're somebody who always wants to bypass the process, you skip over what you're lacking. (laughs) You bypass that. And when you want to be excellent because you believe in excellence, not because you want to step on somebody's neck, then, right, then you evaluate where you're lacking. I have a friend in the military. He actually just taught our youth group last night. It was a great class. And he said, you know, there are two types of people, and 
Dr. Gale, I'm sure you know this, uh, Selma, our military folk. Anybody else can hear military that I miss? All right. And he mentioned, he said, there's a couple types of leaders that are identified, especially when people are trying to come up through the ranks. You have the people who believe in the job. They just believe in it. They're going to take care of their men, their women, their people, their unit. They're going to take care of their subordinates. They're going to respect their leaders. They're going to honor the system because they believe in it. He said, and then there's the type of person who's just going after medals. And a lot of people are just going after medals. And he said, you can tell because they don't care about the people, who they step on, who even the ones under their command. Well, you should have known better. Well, you should have done. They'll leave them hanging, uh, uh, not, make, not you know, uh, watch over them and almost like cover them as a leader that covers over their people, they'll only technically do the job, but do whatever it takes to get to the next level in rank because they want the benefits of the rank, not necessarily all the responsibilities of the position. And he said, so when you're training people, this is how I'm telling you, have got so much officership training from this guy. When you're training people, he said, you have to identify who's just in it for the medals, so to speak, and the rank, and who's actually in it for the position, the institution, because they believe in it. And I was like, that isn't that something? Uh, that is, that is, mm, I had to chew on that. And think about that for myself, for those I train, those I meet along the way. And even for you, if you're watching out, are you really in whatever you're in for? How about people who take those uh, high position careers because they want to make a lot of money? Not because you actually believe, you're like, oh, I'm good at that. I can achieve it, and I can make a whole lot of money doing it. And nothing else really moves you outside of making money. Taking jobs is about where can I make the most money? Where can I climb? Now, is there anything wrong with wanting to be promoted? No. Lord knows I believe in it. I mean, I started out as, uh, I don't even know what I started out as. I mean, ministry-wise, praise and worship, pray, well, praise and worship leader always an intercessor. That's all we did. We prayed and we sang. And I say what that about took me out. <laughs> Just praying and singing. Twenty-two years ago, I'm like, woo! And look at me now. So there's nothing wrong with promotion. Scripture talks about promotion. It talks about elevation. It talks about honor and reward and uh, officers and mantles. It, it, it addresses the right way to do it and the wrong way. I should say the righteous way to do it and the unrighteous way to do it. It's all in there. So God needs us in high places and positions. He uh, always strategically inserted his people in positions of power and influence in order to receive and get his outcomes. That's why we have vivas here. Uh, uh, raising up people to put them in position so they can give God the voice, influence. Did I say, yeah, right? Voice, influence, vote, access, and seat at the table of the world. Business, even ministry. Can we get the real people saved? Ministry. All right? Can we do that? The church being insufficient, lacking in what is necessary or required. Do we believe in what we say? That's really the question. Are you seeking rank? Because if you're just seeking rank, you're going to be ranked in your position. Just rank. 
unpleasant, nasty, foul. And it's frustrating, especially when somebody is really good technically at what they do, but their heart is not pure. The heart has not been sanctified. It hasn't been washed clean. It ha- and, and so you're like, oh, if we could just get this person straight, sanctified, cleaned up, in the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, converted to the position, then they're going to be amazing. Conversion, and, and I mean, I, I know I sound like a broken record sometimes. Conversion is the slowest, longest part. When you're converting a file... Converting, 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 converting. Yeah, the bigger the file, the longer it takes. The bigger your calling, the longer it takes. The more weight the calling, the longer it takes. Those big files. Now, you can have a robust system, and it'll be faster, but it's still longer. The bigger the file. What The bigger the file means uh, the size of it, how many different elements. For example, converting audio very quick. Converting video ranges depending on the size of the original file and what you're converting it to. If you're converting up to a higher quality, it takes longer. This will preach today. We're preaching today, okay? That'll teach. And so if you're converting up into something higher and more complex than the original simple parts, it's going to take longer. If your system is bogged down, too many windows open, See, your soul, unable to close out files, it's going to take longer. And then, oh, the moment of death when the thing just spins and the screen goes white. Not the blue screen of death, just the free screen goes white. You're like, no, and it's spinning and spinning and spinning. And you're like, please, Jesus, please just let it keep thinking. Just keep processing. And then you're like, I cannot. What's more frustrating when it's, or when you're waiting for something to download, but you're converting and you're watching it and watching it, and it gets to like 99%. And you're like, come on! Because guess what? 1% unconverted means the whole thing is unconverted. That's right. 1% unconverted means the whole file is unconverted. You know what you can do with that file? Nothing. Nothing that you want. I learned a long time ago in media sometimes to close out and and produce uh, files in segments and then put it all together to make one big one because you about lose your mind. When you work on something for weeks or hours, it can take hours. Those videos that we do, even for like our shows and our programs and those transitions and all that kind of stuff can take hours to do 30 seconds. So don't do a whole film, a whole thing. 1%, if that last 1% won't convert, guess what? The whole file is useless. Now, let's think about that in being useful to the Lord. What's your 1%? What's that 1% of you that will not convert? Maybe it's 5%. Listen, some of us, it's like 42%. Let's tell the whole truth before God. The whole truth before God on today. Okay, what's your 1%? What's that thing? You come so far, and then it bounces back. Sometimes it's not enough memory on this job. Could you have told me an hour ago when you started converting there wasn't enough space? Now, granted, you were ignoring all of the things popping up, saying 
Disc space low. Disc space low. But we blame the system. We don't remember that because, see, that's taking ownership and responsibility. We don't want to do that. This stupid system, this computer, this program, that thing was too small when you started. You thought, I'll deal with that when I get there. I just need to get this project done. This is how we do God. And then when it comes to the point of delivery, we can't deliver. Soul is a hot mess. Clutter, junk. What's, what's soul clutter and junk? Unforgiveness. Ungodly desires. Temper. Any kind of addiction. Soul clutter can be fantasies. Soul clutter can be uh, being um, in love with your past, not being able to move forward. Not being able to live in the present can be your soul clutter as well. And all of that clutter begins to, and at some point you say, I either need to do a heart reset, I need to get a new system. Like I just got this new phone, and I love my phone. You can see it here. I love it. And I had my other phone for several years. And it got to the point, added extra space, do this. Okay, you need to, it's time for a new system. And some of us need a new operating system. Well, how does that happen? In our word, it's called deliverance. It's called that gut-wrenching. And I'm not just talking about heaving your guts up on the floor in church. That's a part of it, maybe, because sometimes nobody ever touches you. But the hand of God, oh, hallelujah, and he can take you, and then he starts shining the spotlight on this one issue, and everywhere you go, everybody points out that issue. It catches you on your secular job. It catches you at church. Somebody from your family is going to bring it up. The neighbor next door and your five-year-old kid is going to say something, mommy, you always blah, blah, blah. And you know you want to just get them for being disrespectful, but you know it's God talking through your child. Deliverance is the new operating system. (laughs) Since you can't swap out souls like that, I mean, you know, there's the whole salvation piece. But we're all saved and redeemed here is the uh, presumption, the assumption here. And so you have to get that new operating system. So the new program that God wants to download in you isn't corrupted or bogged down or frustrated or frozen old system, old wineskin. We can use scripture here, old wineskin. Today we might call that the old operating system. Trying to pour that new fresh anointing, new fresh calling, don't want to get cleaned out from the old, don't want to be sanctified, don't want to be corrected. You just jump from one ministry to the next having your own self-proclaimed fresh start. Now, God's calling you Jonah. That was Jonah was not fresh starting, okay, when he, he was rebelling. And so your own, I just need a fresh start. I just, you calling it a fresh start. God is calling it rebel without a cause. <laughs> your own cause is not good enough. It is not good enough. And so you're on the run with your badge of honor, and God is like, but your record says dishonorably discharged from the last place. AWOL, absent without leave. You're on the run. Every kind of spiritual hit is out for your life from the authorities of God. 
The angels are out. There's a warrant out for your arrest, which is why everything that you attempt to do is arrested. You can sit down and have the meetings. Deals won't go through. You can start the program, can't finish the program. You can do all these things. There's an outstanding warrant. Not outstanding like, yay, oh, no. Not like, well done. No, 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 no. No, no. And the kingdom of God is like, no, but the record shows. And we think that because we switch locations, go to different churches, church hop, church jump, church sabotage, church, church splitter, whatever you may be. We think that because we move to a new location that that record stays in that other location. But not so. It follows you everywhere you go. At some point, just like in life, you accumulate enough offenses to lock you down. So a lot of people are on lockdown, walking around, looking free. Got that ankle bracelet from the Holy Ghost on yours. (laughs) You're not free. You, you can, uh, and you got that chip. And you got that chip. Chip in your wrist. You been you know, Because the it. satellite is saying, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Right. They over here. Get them. But you know, sending us a satellite is angel. <laughs> Listen, she just sat down. Just hum it. She just sat down. I just want you to know the ship. You know, so that so before the, before we have machines doing it. Right. We have angels who are still doing it. That's but it. But the angels are not going to lie on God. They're not going to... See, they're like, we are the stay-behind crew. That's it. We're not the defecting crew. Right, right, See? So right. So we were in Lucifer's arms. Let the record show. Let the re- so we are, so it's, no, it's a little late in the game for us to start cutting up. Ah, <laughs> we saw how that didn't work out for the last crew. So we are definitely going to um, stay with God. I have to tell people that all the time. Angels, if an angel agrees to rebel against God, it's a devil in disguise. Mm-hmm. Because the angels are like, no, no, we were around. We saw the horror of it. You know, Holocaust didn't just begin in the planet. Nothing in earth began on earth. Come on. We saw the horrors. We saw the destructions. We saw all of that before y'all came around. Right. We had to make a choice. And all of us had to re-up and, and commit ourselves and commit our vows to the Lord. Yes. Because it was ugly. You know, I think about, as we're teaching the biotic and all of that, I think about that, and I think, oh, my goodness, Jesus, it was something for you to get that out of, this, the, out of your world. Yes. You know, can you imagine, you know, the Lord is like, yeah, this is going to get ugly in a couple of millennia. <laughs> okay? And so the millennia pass, and as it does, his citizens are, Confused, perverted, dropping like flies, can't figure out who they are, not doing what they're called to do, on and on and on. Mm. And so I'm like, um, the angels are like, we fought hard. That was a hard war to get to Revelation 12. That was a hard war to get there. Y'all probably don't realize that. And that war, I hope I'm... You know, am I in alignment? Okay, because I want to be aligned. <laughs> I want to be aligned. <laughs> but that was a hard war. So when they, you know, like you have all of these Hollywood movies about the the angels that are envying us, those are devils. Because, see, the, the angels that, that actually saw that before there was an earth already know that it's trash. 
You understand that for an, an angel, a holy angel of God, to say that they want to fall in love with a mortal woman, they have to downgrade. They show you they have to downgrade. They have to corrupt themselves. What they don't show you is that they can't ever go back to where they were. If Satan could have got back home, he would have. So God changed the code. Sin changes your codes. And spiritual sin changes your spiritual codes. You know, we came up in the 80s where they said, well, you know, your sin, your spirit can't be infected, affected, whatever. We came up in those times. So let me just tell you this. Um, 2 Corinthians 7 says you can dirty your spirit. You can dirty your own spirit. You can dirty your new creation spirit. Otherwise, why do we talk about apostasy? Why do we talk about enduring till, enduring till the end? God doesn't care about the beginning as much as it leads to the end and uh, the ultimate outcome. So I just want you to understand as you go forward, don't buy the lie. Devils will do anything to populate hell. And the more of your, more that Christian residual is in there, the more that Holy Ghost residual, because not just Christian, Holy Ghost residual is in there, the more they want to populate hell with you, the harder they try to make you leave the Lord Jesus Christ. And so because I, I, I was there I, this morning, I was visiting with the Lord, and he was, God is running with this biotic thing. He is running, I mean, he's like, Finally, and, and he, I mean, Jesus Christ is running these scriptures like he the author. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, you're, like you're the author of these scriptures, and he is running them. He said, when I told you I'll write my laws in your heart and your mind, what did you think that meant? Mm-hmm. That I will walk in you and I will talk in you, that I will no longer need external things to lead you by my spirit. I was like, oh. My, this man is running it. I mean, I said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word of, not a, not a sound, a being. We are so far beyond being the, the offspring of the Godhead, being the empowered ones of the Holy Ghost. We are far behind that because we are right now chasing paper. We're the paper chasers. We're chasing text. We're chasing narrative. We're chasing everything except the Holy Ghost. He went back to manna. He went back to man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, which is bread, the bread of heaven. I said, but we think we could talk about bread of heaven and don't expect it to be in an organic being. If it's bread, then it's nutrition, then it pertains to the organic. So I'm having a blast with this journey. Catch us on Sunday because that's when I blow it out the water. Catch us on Sunday. Tell your friends, catch us on Sunday. Now, I will go on record to say if your church is closed, catch us on Sunday at online at 10 or 8 when we think about Sunday school. If your church is open and it knows Jesus, because <laughs> well, a lot of churches don't know Jesus, they know community, they know gathering, they know, you know, 
religion, ritual, but if your church knows Jesus, go to church. If your church doesn't know Jesus, go to a church that hosts him. Because when it's all over, you need to understand that this warfare is not about your religion. This warfare is not about your, your, um, your faith or anything. This warfare is about your organic being, and it's the life. Will you qualify for the spiritual body that is to replace your natural body? This is really different. So join us on Sunday. I'm going to have fun. I'm also going to have fun today because we're going back to resume the novice talk and just start looking at talking about some other ways to view it. Why? Because God said to me very bluntly, my church loves mediocrity. It loves, what were those three we said, the I am mediocrity? incompetence. We love everything that is not Jesus. You know, you, you, a lot of parents, and I think going back into the early years, we had this thing where you couldn't fail God. Every time somebody said that, I said, did you read the Bible? You understand that this our whole species is the failed species. Adam failed God, downgraded humanity. So don't talk about you can't fail God. Adam failed God. Let's talk about the serpent failed God, which is why he was no longer Lucifer. You know, Lucifer's name change meant I failed God, and I failed at trying to remove him. See, he's got multiple failures. So the serpent failed God. That's why he was a swamp thing. When God said, let there be light, Adam failed God. His wife failed God. Cain failed God. Cain's failure literally birthed false religion and created a progeny, which means a genetic offspring for failed God. And when we can go right on down the line to, we, you know, we kind of skip over Abel and we're happy because we skip over Abel. Abel actually ends up being a type of Christ. Because we see Abel mentioned in Hebrews in faith, Cain is mentioned for hell. Then we come down, and from there we got this whole population of folk who are failing God. So the big thing is tracing who didn't fail God, those who stood. That's the, the big thing. I mean, God's favorite guy failed him, David. David failed God so much that he never had anything but hell in his life. He, he ushered hell into his nation, into his military. They, I mean, they fought. I mean, and God said the sword will never leave your life. Why? He did the same thing that Adam did. He put that woman in God's place in his life. I always like to say this because you say, well, God forgives. And all, first of all, all of y'all who are telling, listening to the preachers tell you devils are going to heaven, those are preachers who are already in hell. And so they are the new salespeople to populate the land in the realm of the dead. Snake oil. Okay? Instead of anointing oil, they switch from anointing oil 
to snake oil. He's a honey man. I love my Jesus. So David so failed God, just so you can understand, when he said, I will blot your name out, we said, well, he doesn't really mean blot. He just means cover. No, no, the man meant blot. I will blot your name out of my book. And when you think of it, you look at all the names that didn't make it into the New Testament. But here's one that God wanted to use to make a point. Now, I don't know who out there needs this, um, but, uh, you know, whoever you are, I just want you to know God was so mad at Bathsheba, he never mentioned her name again. So when God stops calling your name, you need to start knocking in your knees. He never mentions her. In Matthew, Jesus, you know, Matthew is a Jesus book. And Matthew, and they start doing his genealogy and whatever. They remember David because David repented. Bathsheba never did, apparently. Solomon got mentioned. But he calls her. She's, she's immortalized in God's history as she who had been the wife of Uriah. He won't call her name. Because as far as he's concerned, she was never David's rightful wife. Now, we got Abigail. You know, we got a couple of them that's named in it, but not Bathsheba. That thing is a real thought, because those of you all who want to, you know, y'all little sugary girls that want to get the pastor to put his wife out for you, you will not be in his book. So you may, honey, we will call you first lady in the planet. We will honor you as the first lady, and you will be the woman on the front row, but you will not be in God's realm. Because, see, in God's realm, boobs and butt don't move. Come on. Come on. See, it's not ruled by boobs. You, you understand that sex is on earth. Sex is not in heaven. So all of your sexuality means nothing to the Almighty. So for you, because I'm talking to a particular woman, you think that you're going to get away with this, and I will tell you, by the Holy Ghost, not only will your name be blotted out, you will die a miserable death. Because, see, you know, what did he say? Beauty doesn't last forever. So you better find another kind of beauty. Because that's physical beauty. Anyway. (laughs) What happens sometimes people are asking God because they're so tempted that their, their judgment becomes blur and they're like god if this is not you so you've already had the seduction you've already breached the adultery fornication barrier you don't want to block yourself out forever you look at these people they go out in ugly ways you can almost know how a person um got along with god by how they go out i've been that's my personal study and that's how they go out. Says he loves a, a, a what? A contrite spirit. So if, if you um, anybody can mess up, it's when you decide to stay messed up, and that you decide to make that messed up mess up your new role of life. 
Because David, what we if David hadn't messed up, we wouldn't have Psalm fifty one. You know, God decided, no, I'm going to remember this. I'm gonna... mm. Psalm 51. Anybody can mess up. Everybody. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That is real. And, you know, every now and then your clay pot cracks, gets chipped, get a little corroded, got to fix it up, got to reglaze it sometimes. But recognize God's issue is not that you mess up, but that you use that as an excuse to do something you probably always wanted to do, which is to abandon him, to distance yourself from him. That is a problem. See, you can tell Bathsheba never repented. She never thought she was wrong. She never did, because had she repented, God would have recorded her repentance instead of her blot out. So whoever you are, whether you're male or female, I'm just giving you a word today that this is not the season to tempt God. Do not put the Lord your God to the test because you may win the moment, but God controls the everlasting. And you won't, you won't, you won't prevail. You, you won't. And nothing is worse than getting a little cute, sugary thing that can't have kids. Oh, See, that's judgment. No, you ain't getting. I'm not going. No, you think. Mm-mm. Little cute, sugary thing, and all of that cuteness is false advertising. Can't reproduce. Not as. I mean, if you're going, if you're just getting married, you got to hope God can just put a seed in there. But if you're sitting there doing that, well, I'm better than she is, and you can't even produce. Come on, somebody, you should have stayed where you were. Anyway, I don't know who I'm talking to. Are they all right? How y'all doing? Hi, social media. How y'all doing? They, uh, now God said to tell you that there are three women watching me right now. God said, all I want is forgiveness. All I want is forgiveness. And one of you have cancer. All I want is forgiveness. That's all I want. I want you to ask me to forgive you. That's what I want. And mean it. Because if not, well, it'll, you, it'll be, you know, you'll become the serial adulteress. Is that we okay? <laughs> <laughs> Is <it> we okay? <laughs> now, you all know I like to have an, an, an event, you know, God gave me a lot of witty inventions, and my staff here kind of knows it, so they so much know it that they can go home on Friday and come back on Monday with a project that's going to take them three months. You can say. We can go home on Monday (laughs) and get home on Monday and find a project. That's true. That is true. You know, I am a visionary, and, and, and also because I am a chief apostle, meaning the fountainhead, the foundation, the, pro, the originator, and all of those kinds of things. See, I found out what that means. Um, literally, huh, I keep coming up with things. So before I tell you my latest tool, I want to remind you to get your dunamite drill. Yes, yes we are got, do we have some? Are we getting them? Yes. Okay. We're getting the, the, let me tell you, the dunamite drills are my friends. Now, if you have a Sunday school, you want to teach your children their identity in Jesus Christ, you want to just let them, you know, 
just go through them every day. You want to keep them at your desk so you can remember when they try to tell you you're nothing, you can turn your little drill open and you can say, I am of the redeemed nation of Jesus Christ. I know you don't know it, but that's who I am. I am the sovereign elect of God. Hallelujah. And each one, I'm a citizen of the holy nation of Jesus Christ. I am seated in a heavenly place. See, because life is always pushing against your identity in Jesus. Satan hates that Jesus found a way to reproduce himself without sex. For as many as believed him. When you're faithless, you can't believe God, so the fruits of belief never work for you. He was faithless. He dumped his faith. And he dumped it for his own campaign, his envy. Faith turned into envy. So make sure you get it. I'm sure Rachel will tell you on the screen how to get it in the back of it. That's the part that's really good. I love the back of the Dunamite drills because in the back of it we have these QRs. One is going to take you to the Warrior's Creed. Now, I like the Warrior's Creed. That boy got a voice. That's number one. And, and see, somebody know what I'm talking about. And he, I mean, he's, I am the, uh, he almost like, baby, for, for those of us who are old, he's almost like Alexander Scoresby, man, when he used to read the Bible to us. I was like, whoo. And so you want to go, when you get it, go to the back and hover your phone over it so that you can get the Warriors Creed. I play the Creed, especially when I'm having warfare, like in that 3 to 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I play, mm-mm. Because I, I got to pray, so I need somebody else saying. So I got to get it going on then. So, so I'm praying and he's saying. I'm praying and he's saying. We don't, And I just doze off, get the sweetest sleep. Because warfare does not care about my years of service in God. As a matter of fact, it comes back every year to see if, I've, if I'm still standing, if I, I am still believing. And we all need helps and tools and tips and all of that to learn God. So, you know, I've been on this journey, but my newest one, and I don't know when it's going to be done. It should be done by next week. But I've got a new tool. Yay! Yes! Yes! And my crap staff, my staff is just astounding. And so, you know, I, I call, I don't know, Rachel, when did you hear about this, yesterday? Yes. Yesterday. Yesterday while she was getting over something, her cold or something, and, you know, and I just said, hey, baby, you don't sound good. Look, here's what I want you to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got a project. So I said, I want you to take the, the, the thingamabobs and the whatamadigums and the all oh, oh, And she said, okay, because they know better than to tell me anything. But, yes, why? Because I'm, you're not going to walk around talking about you the fullness of a Godhead and God can't get a drop of nothing out of you. You're having fun today, aren't you? <laughs> so. This is entitled, I have, you know I love word cloud, so this is a world, world, what is it, word cloud flip chart, terminology flip chart. Can they get a picture of this? Can they see it? It looks good on screen? All right. Because, you know, uh, well, I'm glad you got a screen. So this is amazing. And it says, because in the beginning was the word. So here's a whole other approach to learning the word, and using words. So I have the word clouds that I've done. Now, I know you think it's probably going to be just just the word clouds. It's not. Nobody would think that of me. Not with me. All right. So we have a tape. There will be about 50 or 60 of them when I'm done. I have that many word clouds. 50 or 60 books. 
Yeah, volume. Yeah, yeah volume, volume. Volume. No, we got lots of clouds. And so, but if, <laughs> so these are the things that are in here. So we have cloud subject. We have user guide. There is a user guide because we expect you to do more than read it. There, we have word cloud knowledge builder worksheets, word cloud knowledge reinforcers, dunamite word clouds, and then this particular one has the biotic ministry, cellulation, salvation, and soul word cloud. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, and it's all yours. Now, and then, huh? Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> it would cost much more than you want to pay. So we'll wait until we get the mass produced, which will only be a few days. So, now if you look on here, can you zero in on this, Rachel? I want you to understand why we're doing this. And I think it's really cool. How do you like your prophet Angela? I absolutely love it. <laughs> Can you see it? What does it say? Can you all see what it says to the over here? There's a lay. Say it again. Biotic word cloud. Biotic word cloud. But what does it say? Say what you want. Say it the way you mean it. Choose the right term and word it the right way. That's what this is all about. Did you get it, Rach? We're moving on. You know, you know, you know I move very quickly. This, huh? Zoom out. I'm done. Okay, now, here, it, the other page, it says, under the user guide, it says 3D and other word cloud activities, user cloud, how to use and grow from your word cloud potentiating, processing, empowering the invisible you. Look at this. We, we got her a new phone. She's not been the same. <laughs> she has not been the same. Now, you know, she acts like cell phones just came out because she so loves her new one. Now, but it's not just about that. It's also about moving forward. Did you get did you want to pick? Okay, you sure? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so this is Waze Word Cloud Terminology Flip Chart Enhance You. So you get to learn what words mean. Intervention and intercession, support, tutoring, training, skills, competence, advice, counseling, coaching, guidance, assistance, tips, and techniques. That's what you get in this flip chart and all of them. Now, I've done that part. Then we have worksheets. And the worksheets, you set your goals for each cloud and every word in a cloud. And then you set your objectives, and you begin to understand the value of your word cloud. And then moving on, this is really good. I'm excited about this. We talk about how to use the word cloud. In other words, use this guide to list your three most important goals for this word cloud's terms. Use this guide to list your three most important objectives to realize your goals for this word cloud's terms. So you get a chance to – okay, now. And then there's another – check yourself. So this is not just the clouds. Check yourself. So what do we have here? 
Word cloud reinforcers. List what you learn. You have to learn because one of the things I've learned about studying is that the more you study, the more God talks. You know, God will not speak beyond your comprehension. It's just the way. Now, he will, he will, listen, he will say things and you don't understand it, but God requires comprehension. I always often tell people when they talk about how they got things from God, and they call things a revelation. I tell them revelation is useless without a research because research gives you realization. See, revelation is a statement, research and pertinence, and then you get to realize what that revelation meant. So God will give you revelation, but he expects you to take it to its full maturity so that you realize what it meant. Now, when we think about us talking about the biotics right now, we realize, hey, God, we, mm, we, we weren't getting this. You, your, your salvation was hard because you were hardly knowing it. Forget hardly doing it. And so, but when you start realizing that you are God's seed, that you're his offspring, that you're a, his biotic kid, that, and that everything that he is is in you, and your job is to begin to grow it, to, to breed it, his brand, because we are the Godhead's brand. We're not Satan's brand of human. We're the Godhead's brand of human. So, here are the lessons learned. Who was that? Huh? That was me? Okay. Amen. Um, hey, I'm doubling down. Come on. <laughs> so lessons learned. Lesson learned. Here's where you show your knowledge and growth. And then there's the acronym REACT. Recognize, evaluate, admit. Correct and turn around. Note from what um, the selective word in the word cloud did for you. So note, tell us what it's done for you. And so, and you have three options. You're going to love it. Impulses restrained, actions changed, wisdom gained. So this is a working document, and it is a journey, a journey journal. So as you get into words and you get into study, you can measure your growth, and that's going to make sense to you in a minute. And then we have the whole do your behavior thing. So here, how to use it, how to think it, critical, critical thinking, how to act on it, that's praxis, and then how to benefit from it. Why? Because knowledge is important. Nothing happens in life without words. And everything in life is preceded by words, voiced or not, words in your mind, words in your dreams, words in your vision. What we don't know is that words, they're God's power tools. They are the number one tools of the minister's trade, but they're the power tools because what you say is what happens. Jesus says in John chapter 6, 63, verse 63, he says, the words that I speak to you, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Why? Because I am the word incarnate. I am the word embodied. I am the word personified. So, and then on the right side, you get a chance to say how, you, how that word is peopleized, if you will. And it says here, illustrate what you discern or realize in action or behavior about a term. And you'll see that when you get to the terms, you'll get to see to this. And how did you recognize it? This is self-examination. This is you saying, oh, this word describes me. Oh, this word is, oh, ooh, I do that. Ooh, I'm glad I don't do that anymore. God, and then you have, Lord, please deliver me. You know, everybody got, 
Please deliver me. And let me tell you, you can be in God 90 years still talking about deliver me. There's a reason why the man said endure to the end. Because in the end, you don't have the zeal and thrill. In the end, you have the real. And so, and then, and then these are all at the bottom. These are all categories of your flip chart. And over here is where you take care of you. This is the you stuff. I see me exercise. And then you have what the what the um, the title of the word cloud. The big bold letters are what that word cloud is about. Everything else are the terms that come from it. Down here you have the purpose of this word cloud. This one is overpowering power and the whole aim of a word cloud. So you get a chance to use this. So how do I use this? You can use this for study guide. Of course, you can follow along with us because all of us will be using them. You can use it for research. You can use it to set up trainings. You can use it to teach your prayer group, to teach your group so that you, go, you begin to enlarge on it. Because one of the things that took the church out was coming away from words or counter-designing the scriptures so that the words almost mean what you say. We had a training. I think I gave this example once, uh, Apostle Ashley. We had a training where we, uh, they used the term, you know, judge me, because, you know, the, 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 this whole agenda has trigger words, and you need to be very careful about trigger words and what they mean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because even now, you know, every time I almost know all the trigger words because, well, they're everywhere. They're boring. And they would sit there and talk about the, the scriptures are boring. I'm like, but y'all are boring. You understand? Y'all are really boring. I get it. I get. I get. I get that. I get. You can hear that 50 times in a day. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't quote Jesus, but you can say that little redundant term. <laughs> well, isn't that the truth? What are some of the other trigger words that we all know by now? I mean, they don't stop. You know? What do you mean? What are you saying? What do you mean? What are you saying? What do you mean? Isn't that what do we hear it all, all the time? You know? And then my personal favorite, don't judge me. Don't judge me. You judging me. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Don't, I love that one. The heart wants what the heart wants. The same heart that's been getting you in trouble all your life. And a matter of fact, you stay in trouble and you stay in mess because your heart only wants that. So you want to figure that out. Oh, your personal truth, like you created the word truth. Tell you the truth. Tell your, your truth. So, so and, but these are all, now these are all, now Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am that as a literal being. So his personal truth trumps yours. It eclipses your personal truth. Because see, his personal truth is infinite, inf, what do you call it, infinitum? Infinite, I like that. It's infinite, infinitum. It's before, before you were made. That is why he can, his personal truth carries. And his truth breathes. Come on, come on. Your personal truth erodes. Mm. Mm. We need to have this. We need to understand what words mean. You know, and the whole heart thing. Jesus said, out of the heart comes all the evil that's in the planet today. Your personal truth is in the swell of what's in the heart. That's why you have to get a new heart when you're born again. When you get saved, you can't be saved if you still work with the same heart. So, but in order for that to happen, words must be. We have to have words. And so this one, we've been on the dunamite journey, so this flip chart is called the dunamite dynamite. 
and it starts telling you what God means when he said miracle workers. And he says stellar, front line, spectacular, potent, superb, splendor, four-star, wonder, first rate, primo, first class, awesome. When you are operating as God's miracle worker, you're not the scum of the earth. Wow. You're not the sludge and the slug. You are, there's a reason why he had to sit us in heavenly places first. And because we're in heavenly places, whatever we do for God in the name of God, his way and on his terms surpasses anything and everything in this planet. The reason we're on this journey is because you don't know who you are. Now, we got this little guy up in the corner that says that you can get some. These will give, you can work this for findings, outcomes, answers, results, and conclusions. This little guy over here. So you know what to do with your word cloud. And then, of course, we have the back page. As soon as I can get to it. I was excited because I gave my staff one day to get all of my things. And so you can write all your notes, etc. All right? So this is, this is a tool. You can do it to write your, they, I mean, as we go forward, there are those for policies, rulemaking, assessments, reviews, you name it. We've got them, and you can pick the right term for what you want to do, or you can elaborate on what God, for example, the second one is stronghold. Defense, fixedness, safeguard. Hey, stronghold is a cell. Well, we all own cells, okay? Guard. Quarters, so if you a shelter in a harbor, so if we are the stronghold for God, these are the things we are. Now you get a sense of what God is doing inside you and how He's conforming or transforming you to for His purpose. Because we, I know we always chase our purpose, but Bible is full of God's purpose. How about that? We we chasing our purpose. That's why we can't find it because we want one outside of God. Okay, so. <laughs> I just, you know, but but here's something that I think you'd like, um, because we're doing, well, I'm going to switch to the biotic, because that's where we are. Okay, biotic, organic, vital, cellular, essential, naturally animated, genomic, critical, organized, anatomical, and uh, plasmic. That's who we are in the spirit. That is what our spirit is flushing or flooding into our souls. And when, you, when we get to our Soul Sunday, this is going to make more sense. The Word of God is not literature on print for those who believe. The Word of God is a being, not just a person, a being. And when you think about it, it's, most, it's astounding. I have one in here that you would really like called Jesus' Carbon Copy. Yeah, they like that. That's one of the favorites there. And so... To be Jesus' carbon copy, you are his brand and his breed, his replica. You are his representative. I love that. You're his photocopy and duplicate. You're his emission. You're his twin. You're his likeness. You are his parallel match. You are his manifold image, his double. So for people to understand what it is to be born again. So you're G- we're Jesus' double. We're his, re- we're his repeat, repeat, reprint, and I like this one, clone and alter ego. Mm-hmm. 
That's who we are as the new creature. Because people are a new creature. Why not me? I don't, I don't get it. No, I know you don't. Now you got it. You get it. Now, <laughs> I'm almost done. But I just want to give you some of the things that make you understand and appreciate this. Now, another word I found, you know, when, once I got on this thing, Jesus was like, oh, you want to do this? Well, let me just tell you what I'm doing. So he gave me a word called tissueate. Tissueate. It means to flesh out. So you, we are fleshing out God's word. So God's word from the spirit's code turned into the, in the soul, the, the chemical and the material that feeds, that first of all forms, forms, feeds, frames, and functionizes the body. So the more, that's why he said desire the sincere milk of the word when you're first born again. Well, the meat is going to choke you. That's why folks, you know, you be like, I'm ready to, I'm, I'm out. Uh, Desire the sincere milk of the word. And then, but it says when you get a full age, this is where the church is in trouble. It's still sucking milk. Because when you get a full age, you get strong meat. That means that everything that causes your natural body to, to grow and mature has taken on the form and the robustness as well as the sturdiness to eat meat. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a conversation with somebody just recently about, you know, I don't eat meat, I don't do this, because, you know, that's what, that's, us, that's what the Bible says. I said, but I need y'all to read Noah. Because, see, when the flood was over, God said, eat meat. Right. And you know why? Because the law of sin and death was already at work. Mm-hmm. It was already doing it. And so a lot of times people say, well, you know, I, I, I just became vegan. Well, it will take you five years of being a vegan to realize that you're dying because your body is going to live off reserves. So it looks like it's working until it exhausts its reserves. How do I know? I was that woman. And in the beginning, you lose weight, you know, and all, your body goes into detox mode because you're not, you're not res, uh, restoring or replenishing your reserves. So... It's, t- it's going to dump everything you need. I can tell you some really interesting physiological changes that I experienced when I did that. And I can tell you the psycho-emotional changes that I experienced when I did that, up to and including passing out every time I preached. Because that was God's call for me for the, for the rest of my days. So I said to him, you got to eat, I mean, God said eat meat. And he said, eat meat, because the ground is now saturated with dead carcass. See, when you were in the garden, you didn't need that. But when the sons of God took over and they began to do the brutal things to human beings, then all of that healthy herbage that we, kept, we think we're getting, you know, it cracks me up when people say, I'm a vegan. Yeah, but your cow and your, your cow and your whatnot ate the dirt. See, cow poop is in the dirt. The manure that you like, your carrots are growing in cow poop. Because the earth, well, I, but in the manure, I mean, we 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 think because we put M A N U R E on the end of it is no longer poop. Manure is processed poop. <laughs> but understand that the cow and the bull 
I don't do pig. Pig still poop. And you're still eating it because anything comes from the earth is cursed. God did. He, he, he It's so interesting because he did not say, I curse the ground. He said, cursed is the ground for your sake. What sake? The sake of your fall, the sake of your sin, and the guarantee that you will return to the dust, which was not my original intent. It always cracks me up. I was like, but. And your vegetables still die. As a matter of fact, your vegetables die faster than your meat. But anything to keep us thinking we can be our soul savior. So anyhow, tissuate. Tissuate means to fiberize, membrane, muscleize, of course, flesh out, and materialize. Now, it means to clothe, to put in skin, connect tissue, and on we go. So... The word of God for us on the journey we're on, meaning that we are the offspring of the Godhead and that the same Jesus who was born from, from God's sperm, and, 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 you know, you hear people, I'm not, I'm, I'm just not sure about that. I'm going to tell you something. If Mary wasn't a virgin, there would be no church because she'd be a whore. Oh, okay. Some things are just, what? She'd be a whore. That's what they did when they were when uh, back then. Yep. That's what they did. Yeah. So she would be disqualified. For example, men that uh, you know today you can marry any kind of woman you want. Back then, if you were a priest, you had to marry a virgin because you had to make sure that your wife's soul did not reproduce any unclean spirits picked up by sexual liaison. Don't you love it? That's what it means. Because no matter how much we like to say otherwise, every time, every time a man spills his seed in your body, your soul captures it and keeps it. So God would not have had a pure Savior. He'd have had a contaminated Savior. And he would not have had to put sin on Jesus. Because it would have been in him, which means he would have been disqualified as a savior. He wouldn't have been the healer. He would not have been, his spirit wouldn't have healed anybody. His shed blood wouldn't have still opened open God's eyes after death. But most importantly, we wouldn't be here. The Christian argument wouldn't exist if Jesus Christ did not, it was not who he said. And Gamaliel says it. He said, now listen. When, when Thutis rose up and gathered all of these people behind him, God wasn't with him. He wasn't in God. It died. He kept talking. He named other folks. So the fact that you can't kill, you just release us from our bodies, that means the Holy Ghost is the spirit of life, and he's going nowhere. Doesn't make a difference how much y'all talk about we stamping out Bible. You can't stamp out the biotics of the Bible. Y'all like that one? Yeah. Then I got another, I got two new words. I was so excited. I only got one of them. I guess the other one will show up later on. But I got the word entify. The word entifies you as the seed of Christ, as the being of the Godhead. We are the only species that has the genetics of the Godhead in our being. No other species have it. We're the only one, and it's important for us to know that we came from the Godhead's gene pool. Yeah. 
Can I say it like that? Because you have to understand that the reason Christianity is boring is because it's paper. And as long as, you know, you can hold the paper on a, on a, a property forever, but until you occupy it and, it and you see it, it's not real to you. So there are two words. These words come in a pair, reify and intify. And so intify actually means to embody. Incarnated, coalesce, corporealize, come or bring to pass, to develop, realize, and appear, to become real, to become visual, to materialize and actualize. That is so. Listen, my social media people, tell me what you think of our new books. And if you want orders, they will make arrangements for you to pre order. I love the tea. Ah. The team, see, that's the, that's the supreme team. Uh, re, you know, y'all pass dreams. Y'all make dreams reality. <laughs> so I would, I would want, and we will have one of these that will be in volumes, and different volumes will focus on various things. But, again, you have to understand what they do. You can do enormous things. If you're a teacher, you can actually just put that up, and that can be your week's lesson or your month's lesson, just word for word and linking them to Scripture. Then we can be a smart church. I bet you will. I bet you will. But isn't that amazing tool, though? It's an amazing, and all the all the cloud sections are at the bottom, so you can. And I do it. What do I do? I literally take and I make goals. I make lesson plans from it. I make curricula from it because I and the the words have a sub a subliminal effect of becoming etched in people's minds by vision. You see, if they if you're teaching from that all week long, they're going to have it. And so that is what we're doing. Amen? Amen. Work clouds. Now, we, we, last week we talked about novice. One thing novices don't know is the word of their profession. Amen. I'm going to say that. But I want us to revisit some things because I have I've, I've elaborated on it. Some of you all gave me amazing feedback on uh, just understanding it. Now, why do we need to know novice? Because most of the, most of the ministers you encounter today are novices. Some of them are novices in spotlight. That was a nice one. Some of them novices on center stage. Some of them are novices in the books. When you read the books, you don't even know it's a novice book because, well, you have a novice mind. Understand that there's a difference between a novice and a newcomer. A newcomer can come and be an expert, but a novice cannot be an expert, and they don't have to be new. They can just be someone who doesn't want to grow, who most of the church is stuck at, God accepts me as I am. And when you die, that'll work. But if you want to survive and thrive and prosper in this life, prosperity is not work-free. Prosperity is not knowledge-free. You have to know what you're doing to prosper. So we gave the prosperity message, and half of you all didn't tap into it. And you know why you didn't tap into it? Because you did not understand what it took. You didn't even understand what you were prospering. What about you is prospering? 
I'm a word clown that says the most valuable you. That one, didn't you? I think it's three of them or something like that. So knowing what makes you valuable, but also being able to, to tap into what you need to create or develop to be prosperous. Prosperity is not a wish upon a star. And we've taught it to you like that. Yeah, but God wants you to prosper. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does it require? What does it pursue? How do you know when you've moved, when you've passed the threshold from poverty to prosperity? Everything has a threshold. And if you don't cross the threshold, it doesn't matter how much you believe it, how long you pray. You cannot become prosperous in your prayer closet. We taught a whole thing about intercessors don't have to work their job is interceding all day. And they don't. They don't. Because your voice is not going to talk all day like that. And so you're praying. All you're doing is praying, and you're, you hope you're praying the right words. You hope that's another reason these are good, to make sure that you're praying the right words, that you're saying the right things. But she is not a, a static pursuit. You've got to chase it. You've got to chase wisdom, and you need the wisdom for what it is you're called to do. So, and, and in the beginning, as a novice, you might only be able to pray up bus fare. Just continue to pray it up until it's taxi fare. And then continue to pray that up until it's car fare. And then pray that up until it's a car payment. Okay. Because, you know, the saints are good for not having insurance. Okay, then talking about it's the devil. That wasn't the devil that gave you the ticket. It was the devil that convinced you that you were above tickets. I think I need a little bit of anger. So let's look at this. I'm about to show you. <laughs> yeah, but I tell my folk all the time, and then they come and say, yeah, but well, they took my car. They should have. Because you, you didn't do what it takes to keep it, so that you did what it took for them to take it. You only got one of two options here. Pay your insurance. Get your, your, your uh, tags renewed. Be legal. You cannot plunder Satan's kingdom when you have all of these things against you that he can use to withhold God's blessings from you. Jesus said to John, it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. So you have to, Satan's not going to cast out Satan. He's going to continue to let you not do things so you can keep digging in and digging in and getting deeper and deeper in his grip so that when you pray, he can stand in the way because he's an accuser. So a lot of your blessings are because you didn't get your own life in order. You got to, and we all have to do it. Let me tell you, and sometimes it's not even your fault, but it's still your responsibility. So let's look at novice. You ready? The first thing a novice is, it's a trainee. So the first thing you do as a novice is not anoint them for service. (laughs) You don't ordain them. And you don't commission them. And you don't engage them. You train them. Unless, of course, you're not trained. You You notice untrained folk will forgive you for being untrained 
and for you and will use you for spite's sake because they want to spite the system. So to spite the system, I want to prove I'm doing so and so and I'm doing this. Yeah, but you're in this little place in this little corner on the little round and the da da and on we go. Eight billion people on the planet. How many are you reaching? How many are you reaching? You got your family, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, kids, the animals, the pets. Okay, that's it. Because God says when you see a person who has wisdom, they excel in their work. And most times, most churches don't have trained people because they have untrained leaders. And if you don't have training, you don't have standards. You don't have norms. You don't have routines and regimens and all of the things that make for excellence. Excellence is not an accident. I tell my people that all the time. Excellence is not an accident. What I like about the word excellence is that it has X-C-E-L-L. Now, we drop an L, but when you think about excellent, why do we put that other L in there? Because excellence is a cell, too. What's coming out of your cells? The cells of your brain, your heart, whatever. So the one thing you don't want to do is ordain a novice. Paul says when you promote a novice too soon, they get puffed up with pride. And when they are, they fall into the snare of the devil. But that, that harks all the way back to Proverbs. That pride goes before what? And a haughty spirit before? Before, before a fall. So pride leads to your failure. See, we say fall and everybody misses it. We don't, you don't just fall from grace. You don't just fall. In, not everybody who's prideful falls into moral sin. But they do fall into that failure that we talked about earlier. So Paul is telling us that when you put a newbie in position or a novice, because a newbie and a novice, we told you, not the same. But when you put a novice in position, you guarantee their failure. And you also make them a target for Satan to destroy. Because training gives you more than academia. They have this thing called the effective domain. We have a work, we saw that word cloud for that. But this thing where you, where you're, you may have all of your facts right, but your sentiments are wrong. So you'll utilize them in wrong situations. See, you don't realize that. But I, I mean, this is how we learned it. This is how I learned it in school. That might be how you learned it in school, but since school, from school to today, your position is not calling for that, and you have no instincts for it. Academia is great, but education gives you instincts, intuition, discernment, and all of those other things that help you know one thing from another and how to use one thing from another. One thing I know about novices, number one, novices are always knowing more than you. They don't want training. You can tell a novice by their resistance to training. That's a novice because anybody who wants to do something right wants to know what to do. But they are the, the unconscious incompetent to, to the point that they don't know what the position calls for. They just know what their talents are. And if my talents work down the street, why can't it work up the corner? <laughs> Same name on the block, right? So that, you need to understand that novices don't want training. 
Novices can't take correction. Novices don't like conforming because they always are trying to better themselves more than they're trying to elevate themselves or educate themselves. So novice is going to tell you, I, I, I mean, I'm only here because God's making me. First of all, God doesn't make you do anything because if he did, he would have made Adam not eat from that tree. God's the free will agent God. So that's another thing. Another thing is a novice can't conform. You can tell them, we start at 10, I need you to be here. They, I told you, they can't back anybody. They can't support anybody because it's all about them. When you're dealing with a novice, you're going to have to go through the gate of the ego. And that's what you're going to, novice is going to make you eat ego all the time. All right? Next one, inductee. If you're a novice, like in our organization, we don't place. We induct you for training. Because I, 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 am, I am completely persuaded that you will know what a person will do in the profession by how they handle the training. So if they mishandle the training, they're going to mishandle the position, and they're going to, you're going to have to suffer through their hard knocks and trial and error. It means your organization will be compromised simply because they don't know and they think they know, and they're rewarding themselves by showing you how they made it without complying or conforming. Now, today's environment, you see that on, uh, in most of the shows. They are, I mean, in, in, in taking out this system, taking out our, the institution, making mediocrity the norm, making rebellious the norm, mm-hmm. making nonconformance and noncompliance the norm. See, they have normalized disruption mm-hmm. so that, the, the, your mind, in your mind, well, so-and-so got promoted. Whatever, Satan set this up by promoting rebellious people. He set this up by promoting the ignorant. He set this up by promoting the least of the left and then presenting them as the best of the best. How else do we get what's in our White House? Least of the left, elevated as if they're the best of the best. That's part of the takedown. That's that cancel culture we're talking about. See, we think them tearing down the bricks to cancel. No, no, no. Before we got to bricks, literal bricks, statues, buildings, institutions, we started with consciousness. And so what we've lived is the consciousness of what used to make and what historically makes a nation great, makes it whole, we literally annihilated that consciousness. We uprooted and we replaced it with something else. We replaced it ridiculing of good, mocking accuracy and excellence, mocking morality, mocking, scorning, spurning, so that the people who knew they were doing it right all of a sudden felt like they were the ones who were doing this wrong, right on down to our judicial system. The victim is wrong. The villain needs compassion. Ain't nobody but a devil going to empathize with a villain because he's trying to unseat righteousness. So when we bring you in, I'm not operating on all that you tell me how great you are. Frankly, if you got to tell me 
that means you're trying to blind me. So if I'm not having an interview, I don't really need you to tell me how great thou art. Oh, yeah, you're really excited. <laughs> but isn't that how you, when you start leading with your, with your own achievements and credentials, you're trying to blind me and keep me from assessing for myself. So you want me to take, it, take you at your word, and that's the church. The church has been blind because it takes everybody at their word. They don't look up anything. Now, we're getting better today, but then do we know, again, are we talking about the unconscious, unconscious, incompetent person? Do you know what you're even looking at? Because there are people who look at me and say, well, that's just too deep. That's just too involved. That's just too this and too that. So if you find excellence and you find achievement to be just too, okay, also an apprentice. You have to earn your right to be an apprentice. We, we, you cannot just come in and say, well, you know, uh, granted, I mean, but I, just, I did read that and I did read this. We get people come to our school, read books on a sixth and seventh grade level and got diplomas. And you want credit for that. I can't even give you an elective credit because that's not one of our elections. But apprenticeship, <laughs> but apprenticeship has a purpose. It, ha- it gives you the, the opportunity to work out what you've taken in as knowledge. So it becomes your, your know-how and your how-to. And then we have non-professionals. Novices are not professional. They're not going to conform to appearance. They're not going to conform to attention. They're not going to conform to conversation. They're not going to conform to public image or demeanor. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it because in their mind, they are the totality of what they would accept. And so they come with accept me as I am. That's part of that, that, that disruptive thing. We're accepting everybody as they are. And what is that? That's a perversion of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The perversion is this. Well, you come as you are. God always tells everybody come as you are. Come as you are, you know. Come, I'm going to save you. I'm going to love you. He let the woman that they snatch out of the bed of sex come as you are, naked as she can be. But he said, uh, but, but go and sin no more. So God doesn't mean stay as you come. Come as you are, but he doesn't expect you to stay as you come because God is not dwelling in uncleanness. So he will give you that seed of the new birth. But ultimately, he expects you to become a professional Christian. I know. And you probably said, well, where is that? Jesus Christ is the high priest of our profession. That is the, the, the profiting and monetizing of the gospel and the faith of God. Jesus Christ expected to get something for it. And he had to be above reproach. Novices don't care about that. Don't judge me. Baby, if you're going to work for me, expect to have judge on your desk. As a matter of fact, when you put your nameplate there. So when we were in this event, what did the woman say? She talked about, you know, that you're going to be, how are you going to be a clinician, a therapist, and you don't judge? But instead, you change the word to assess. We are assessing you. We're evaluating you. We're appraising you. But do you know, and I have one, there are like, I'm over, what, 300, 400 synonyms for judge? 
You pick the one I'm using. Pick the one that motivates me. That's what I want you to do. Which one am I doing? Okay, I'm thinking of a judging word. Judging synonym. Okay, okay. Do you hear it? Okay, tell me which one I'm using. Assessment. Evaluation. Critique. Analysis. Inspection. Examination. Approval. Disapproval. So which, which judge synonym am I emoting right now? You need to tell me which one. What am I emoting? See, that, but again, that's a, that's a trigger word. That's a buzzword. Because if you can say don't judge me, then you don't have to worry about people having to live up to a standard. Because remember, we're taking judgment off the table because we want you to be you. Your destructive or constructive self, whichever it might be. This one, draftee, similar to inductee. Rookie. We all know what that is, the rookie cop. And you know what? They have to be rookie for a while. We want to be rookie for six weeks. How long is it? A year. A year. So that means a year. Nobody takes anything you do all that grass. They're going to throw you. First of all, you're going to do all the grunt work because nothing is going to break your ego like having to do the grunt work. So people come here, and when they tell me I don't do that and I don't do this and I don't do that, I know good and well that you are a leader that cannot pick up the slack when your people are struggling or when crises happen, so your entity is going to fall because you're too good to be the guardian and the gatekeeper, to be the sweeper. I don't do that. I'm going to tell you right now, I do it all. I, I do it all. They don't like it when I do it all, but I will do it because I know that some things are you need to have your pride crushed, and some things you need to make a statement in the spirit that you are not egotistical because they'll keep sending egotistical devils after you. The minute you say, I'm above this and I'm above that and I don't do that, trust me. Trust me. It's just a matter of months at best that you're going to find that every time you turn around, your ego is tried or humbled. Because God says that after he humbles you, he elevates you. So when people come to me and you're like, I'm sorry, I just don't do that. I'm above that. I'm like, well, God's never going to elevate you because ne- God is elevating from the ground up, and you want him to elevate from your head down. Beginner, learner, ABC Darian. Isn't that a nice word? That means you're still very alphabetical. And you can tell how that sounds because they're literal. Novices are literal. They're not, they, they're not interpretive. They're not intuitive. I know, isn't that a nice word? It's a real word. They're very primer, very primitive. These are the people that are going to tie you up with Johnson Tittles because they don't want to think. They don't, and maybe they don't have the capacity to think. I thought you'd like that one. And then we have newcomer, which we've discussed. Recruit and intern, all of that takes you from being a novice to at least capable. This last time, but I want to look at this. So when we look at the novice heart, can you all see? The novice heart, we talked about last time being unreachable. This is the person that you can't approach them. They're too deep. Do you want me to shut it down? I mean, to, to is that going to be good for you? 
Okay, they're, they're too deep or they're too busy or they're just inaccessible or they're absent or they're out of contact or they're difficult. You know, I pay attention to who does what and how you do it. I know people don't think I do, but I do. That's why when they sit down and talk to me, they're stunned at what I say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if I wrote those word clouds, you better know I understand them and understand them behaviorized. I understand them communicated. I understand them portrayed. So otherwise, how am I going to tell you where I need you to develop? And then alienated. These are withdrawn folks. They're estranged and divided, and they're unstable. We talked about this. They're often confused. I didn't know what to do, so I didn't do anything. You can tell a novice. A novice cannot move beyond confusion. Confusion is a stop sign. For many people, it's the yellow info sign, not for the novice, not for the novice heart. To them, it's stop. Well, I was just waiting for, what are you waiting for? Waiting for what? And, then, and wait a minute, here's the thing, though. They don't even tell you they're waiting. So you think this thing is moving, and it's waiting for some enigmatic, we don't know what. Could you come back and say, and so you think, so you, you feel like ample time has transpired that you can, you know, bring me this product. Oh, no, I, I stopped doing it. When? When I tried to do it, it this, this didn't work and so-and-so didn't happen. I am so not good at that. When I tell you I'm not good at that, I need prayer. Because I am not the woman for don't tell me, I don't know. Because I didn't say this 20 years ago when I first got my team. Now, they can't even talk to me. You I, but I didn't know. Loose me and let me go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was back in that meeting. <laughs> I'm back. Don't say that to me. Say it to chief. Say it to assistant chief. Say it to apostle. Ashley, apostle. Sally, apostle Sally's the sweetheart, though. She's the one. She, she is. <laughs> I don't want to hear, I don't know. Please don't say that. Don't tell me, I don't know. This is novice talk. I don't know. I forgot. I didn't understand. I was waiting for dot, dot, dot. I hate the ellipsis wait. And I don't even know you were waiting for me. Could you tell me? But see, novices will always throw the responsibility off themselves. Because they simply just don't understand that they have to own that. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Even the fact that we wait too long to come back and check y'all out, that's still our responsibility. Isolated, lonely, apart, insulated, and remote. And this one, impenetrable. These are the people that have the hard shell. You can't talk to them. You can't explain them. They can't. Wisdom doesn't awaken them. Intelligence answers. The only thing that they're running on is defensiveness. Intimidation, these are the folks that, oh, my gosh, they're not going to get anything done for you because they're always afraid of getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it because you, I didn't want you to get mad at me. I didn't do it because I didn't want to be yelled at. So you, I would rather you do it wrong and tell me how you're going to get it right than not do it at all. I'm going to, to uh, you know what, this is how I, I looked it up, and, and, and I'll say it. So, so how did you come up with that? I mean, <laughs> Holly, 
Okay? These people are always panicky. Now, if you are a person over money, panicky people over your money will release the spirit of fear on it, and that will take away faith and bind your money. So you have to be very careful about who handles your finances. So they're panicky, browbeaten. These are usually browbeaten. They only got this way because they were browbeaten. Bullied parents, bullied school, bullied something, or coerced. Or they were never uh, awarded or never celebrated. You know, you have to have an ample mix of it all. And so we've done that unconformable. These are the ones that's going to tell you you are there by a fluke. Mm -hmm. And it really really should be them, and they're ready. I'm ready. You're ready for what? Education? Training? Elimination? I'm not sure. What are you waiting for? So these are the people, they're inconsistent. The number one thing that you can expect from a novice spirit, inconsistency. Three days on, two days off, three months right, six months wrong. Inconsistency. That means there's always a breakdown waiting to happen, or you're always the victim, or your project is the victim of a breakdown. Inconsistency. Okay, I got 98% up. Mm. Well, the weather changed. I can only give you 30% today. That weather gets you, boy, you know, because your, your, your bones are hurting, whatever. I don't know. Okay? And then you have, and then, or even they're incompatible. You can do something with incompatibility. You just can replace them, reassign them. You know, you're not locked into that. They're contradictory. These are the people that you're going to tell them this is what's happening, and they're going to contradict you all the time cut you off and contradict you, they're going to tell you, nope, that's not it, nope, that's not it, and they've not even thought it. And again, they don't even say, so why do you say that? Mm -hmm. So tell me, what am I not seeing? What am I doing? What should I be doing? You can ever, intelligence will always ask questions for you to tell them. Intelligence will need to tell you what's going on. And then contrary, divergent, disagreeing, these are the people that are always, no matter what, they don't like anything. Independent, those are the ones that want to show you they don't need you. Uncollaborative, we talked about these. So let's see what happens when we do the other stuff. So what if we took what if we took the observations and we instead of defending and deflecting Defending and deflecting, I want to say that again, defending and deflecting, because, see, deflecting means you're protected. So I'm protecting what I know is a flaw, and I want to try to convince you that you misread it. You misinterpreted it. But what if you took, I'm taking note of that, I'm going to start watching, why are you saying this? Because when I'm telling you that I have these issues, I'm fulfilling all of these elements of observation. Let's get the rest of them up here. Okay. Is that is that the tech people? <laughs> okay. So and then effect. You have got to know your effect on people. You know, we have this hot button called self awareness, but there's another one that says but you need to be 
environmental awareness. You need to be atmospherically aware. How are you affecting people? That requires reading their faces, listening to their things, watching their body language, because a lot of times people will say all the right things, but when you look closely, they don't mean a thing they say. And you have to be able to detect that. That's another detect is another synonym of judge. Did you know that? Detection, discrimination. Isn't that something? Perception. Mm. Attitudes. First of all, you you have to want to be confident. People who want to be fearful will stay fearful. And I find that people who don't like to do tasks too many times, they will use fear and they will refuse confidence. But here you want to deal with your approaches, your outlooks, and all of these things that make that go into what we read as your attitude. So you can have great aptitude and allow the attitude. We've got, sorry, guys, behavior, demeanor, and con- this is what behavior means. Demeanor, conduct, character, performance, disposition, appearance, opinions, news, uh, views, and criticism. All of that has emotional or what I call emotive actions attached to them. What does it look like when we talk about your demeanor? You know, I, you know, this is me. Some of the times I learned this, I do my own little tips. Because if I take D-E off demeanor, drop O-R, we're talking about, A, what do you mean, and then are you mean? Conduct means how you carry yourself from within. What takes you where you have to go, character, the imprints of soul, and then performance. You know, again, the church doesn't even think about performance because as far as they're concerned, attempts equal performance. Effort equals excellence. Because we have, we, we like to soften those lines so people don't feel bad. Now, your organization is going in the toilet, but, hey, they feel good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, disposition, you know, how, how is it that you, you project yourself? You know, again, take DIS off, you've got position. So what is your standing, your stance, your outlook on certain things? I look at this. I know that I don't just read my Bible and say, well, you know, the words say. I look at what the words say. I know the word says this, but what are, what are its words say? Okay? Well, there's no... And then the, the biggest one, the biggest teller of them all are your responses. These are your replies. These are your retorts. Like, like I get people to give me these smart remarks, and just because I don't say anything, you think I don't register that you're a smart mouth and you think you're going to outsmart me? I don't. I just wait. I just wait. And I just keep passing over you. I just keep passing over you. You be you, and I'll do me. You be you, and I'll do me. I, don't, I just keep passing over. I keep moving it on. Why? Because I am, you know what the Bible said, when the people gave Jesus a hard time, it says the Lord moved on because he was on a mission. He was pursuing his mission. So you can give me these smart remarks. You can give me these, these kind of whatever, or you can, you, these little retorts. So your replies are important, the type of answers, and, and how you return them. And then the other thing is resolutions. How often do you work out a problem versus get frozen by it? Do you ask questions or just assume that you know or you don't want me to know that you don't know? You don't want your leaders to know that you, that you don't know. So you won't ask any questions to get clarification. And the same thing, you won't seek advices, 
and all of these other things. So I just wanted you to understand this is what this looks like. I know by now you all already got a picture of it, and God is good. And then let's talk about reactions. That's your feedback, your defenses. We talked about those. What just happened? God is good. But God is good. So we looked at these. And then we want to talk about, um, you know, the immaturity. We talked about that last time. We're getting somewhere. You're going to like this next one. So when I, when you come and I'm trying to figure out where you are in the novice range, this is uh, one of my range meters. I have a lot of meters that I use, and we use them in our training, our leadership training. We use the meters, our uh, staff trainings. So, but I, I do this. So I'm going to start. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Number one, start. How do you start off? Because the quality of your start has a lot to do with whether or not you are overinflating or underestimating what you require or what you can do. So I do that. And this is, these are my meters. Most people, when I think about a novice, I need to know, are you even awake to this thing? You know, are you awake? Are you just kind of like, well, they, this is how you know. Well, they say this is who I am. They say. You probably want to find out if they are right. Are they assuming? Uh, for example, people will, will call you different things by your demeanor, by the way you speak, the way you talk. They'll call you that, but that may not be who you are. So you need to be awake to who you are and what you're called to do. Now, are you aware? Has your awake become aware. You know, right now we're fighting in wokeism, wokeness, you know? Why? Because in their mind, the awareness stage has not happened. Whether they're right or wrong, that's the whole thing. Wokeness does not mean awareness. And so you have to understand, okay, awareness means you're understanding. There's a realization component to that, if you will. So are you aware? And then are you aroused to do it? In other words, some of people want, they want, you go to an interview and they want you to have, you want a job, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I had this, and I, I've done that. And, but people always say, okay, so you're not interested in this. This is not inspiring you at all. There's no fire there in the interview. There's going to be deadness when we hire you. And so, but, but again, you get a chance to stage and look at these rates. Um, these scales, and this is what we use. We, we use them just like this. And then are you inspired? You know, wow, you know, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. See, a lot of times you want people to use you, but you're doldrums, you're ho-hum. And people are like, well, and let me tell you something. We are very biased in that area. Praise God, we need salvation. We need some help because we assume that people who are dull and doldrums, what do we assume about them? Can anybody guess? Anyone? Maybe or almost. We assume they're not intelligent. Don't we? That's our first thing. You're not smart. Because smarts talk. Smarts express. Now, we could be as wrong as wrong is, but your demeanor is indicating you're not smart. Because you're not, we got you past, you're awake, not aware. You're not aware, and you're not aroused. You're not aroused, so you're not inspired. So you're not emitting anything 
inspirational. Nothing that inspires me to say, you know, you're going to be good at this job. I know just how to use you, just where to place you. And then curious. You might think that's automatic, but it isn't. This is the person that's going to come telling you what your position is and telling you without finding out what it is. Now, that's not saying that you shouldn't be, you should come completely a blank slate. But it is saying that you need to be curious, especially if you're being assessed. If you're being critiqued, you need to be curious about, wait a minute, what am I doing? Where is this coming from? It really does keep you in control of the situation because you're not operating on lack of knowledge. You're, you're asking the questions. Because once you ask questions, we can get clarity. Well, that's, that's, I didn't mean to admit that. I, I, that wasn't what I was trying to do. I'm sorry if I conveyed that. That. You know, let's talk about what would be a better way to do this. But if you're one of those people that just say, oh, well, what are you going to do? Or God is with me. Yeah, he is. But God is with everybody, even the car accident victim. God's with them. But that's not sufficient. Seeking. Are you seeking to be better? Are you seeking to understand? Are you seeking to get the facts? Are you seeking to get the information? We want you to be constantly seeking the next thing you don't know, not saying, well, I did it, and I'm going to go sit down. You know, you're not a machine. Machines do their job, and when they're done with the job, they just sit in the corner. That's not what you expect from a person, certainly not a capable or competent person. And then are you teachable? That's a hard one. So that means that there's a 30% gap between sufficiency or competence if you're not teachable. We can't teach you anything. These are the people who cut you off when you start talking. They, they just, they're going to tell you what they've got going on. They don't really care. You're in the class. They're going to dominate the class with their stories and their anecdotes and all of that. Not teachable, meaning there's a wall against taking in more knowledge. For whatever reason, whether it's fear of being over, uh, exposed, fear of being overwhelmed, whether it's just I'm just tired of reading, I don't know. But are you teachable? And then do you practice it? Are you one of those strict academics? I just want to read, 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 eat, eat, eat. I just want to t- get, get it in, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to, with the effort that goes through it. So everything to you, knowledge is a terminal thing or, or, or a dead-end thing. I, I read the book. Oh, you mean I have to do the book too? And these are, you'll know these people because they don't even want to do homework. And then are they ready to master it? That means you've gone through all of these stages and what I've discussed, and you're ready to master it. And from mastery comes dominating. You have to dominate your sphere. If because God, you cannot walk around talking about how brilliant God is, how almighty he is, how wise God is, okay, and you don't know anything. And all you have are excuses for why you don't measure up. And this is what you say, well, after all, he is God. So are you. You're his kid. You're the little G. You're the godly. We're going to get to the last piece. So do we know what, what an expert looks like? These are your experts' building blocks. You ready? Skill. Skill is number one. 
and, and, and skill is important. And I, I told you, I have these little word games that I play, word plays that I do to help me get it. And I always wonder, why is skill, why is kill in skill? So this is my word play. Please don't write me and tell me about what Webster said. You know, I don't care about the Oxford Dictionary. This is my word play. But I always say, skill kills simpleness. This is just me to understand. Professional, we discussed. Proficient, that's when you're proficient in something, you're more than meeting the need. You have exceeded the need so that you are advanced in your ability to do something. It means you can advance something, but also you can predict it and anticipate it, and you can prepare for it. Proficient is not just what you do in the moment. Anybody hearing me? Adroit, we, well, when you think about it, you have, a, you have a, a, an adaptability, a, 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 what do you call it, manageability, malleableness in it. Adept, pretty much not too much different, but I like the fact that adept, the end of adept is what? Ept. So now you're adding eptitude to it. Accomplished. This is the hard one. Because, you, are, you know, people, you will stand up in, with your leaders, you'll stand up with your supervisors, and you will say, I'm sorry, this is wrong, this is not right, and we ask you, what did you accomplish? You cannot produce accomplishments. You can only produce attempts and efforts and intents. Attempts, efforts, and intents. Well, I didn't mean to, well, I intended to, but I was going to, that accomplishment is the mark, and nobody cares about all of that internal stuff that was motivating you. We care about your external product. Dexterous, dexterous adaptable, competent, and uh, commensurate. Uh, I'm sorry, consummate. Why am I saying that? Because most people will do one thing one way well. Don't bury it. Don't let a bad day come. Don't let the wind blow and the leaves come in. Because they're stuck. They can't go any further. They can only do it one way. All right? And so they refuse to adapt. You get the people who refuse to adapt. I don't want to fit the environment. I don't want to refit myself, refit my life for this environment, for this requirement. That's why people quit ministry. They're like, oh, no, I'm not doing that because that's not why I got in here. But when you bring somebody on, you need to find out what are they willing to do for what you are entrusting to them? How far will they go? When will they dig in their heels and say, enough? Talented, we pretty much know. Um, solutional, you always are going to think fixing the problem. We had that conversation, so we don't need to do that. Flexible, we discovered that a little bit. Intellectual, wouldn't it be nice if people were thinkers? This environment, it is hard to be a thinker because everything for, to take down the institutions that we have relies on you feeling more than you thinking. So they need you to be more sentimental than intellectual. Talked about that. Innovative, coming up with great ideas to do things. Well-versed, how about that? Able to talk about it. I'm well-versed in my subject. I can talk about it in various venues and different environments. I can adjust it to whatever I need to adjust it, but you have to first become replete in the fundamentals, mm -hmm. in the principles and the foundations. Mm -hmm. 
and that repleteness has to be experienced. It can't just be education. It's got to be experienced, and that means there's evidence. If you are not looking for evidence of your greatness, you're probably not great. Overcoming Overcoming means you are... You are not letting anything stop you. You may take breathers. You may take time out while you reevaluate and reassess. But in the end, nothing conquers you. You see yourself as a conqueror. You see yourself as obliged to conquer. And then perceptively able, that means that you have that, that ability to see through so that you can grasp what you have to, call, have to do, and as a result of doing it, you move into whatever it takes to enhance and empower your abilities. Tative, that has to do with just sharing, with, sharing your advice, et cetera. I want to go over to collaborative. We talked about sagacious is the long view. So I send you to the store to get one thing. You've heard on the way to the store, you hear that there's something happening that will cause the status quo to change. So when you're at the store, you anticipate, you take the long view, you get all of the other things that will offset problems, offset losses, offset setbacks, offset holdups. Sagacious, you're always looking to offset these things. Handy, realistic, and artistic. That's pretty much we already understand that. Now, artistic has to do with your ability to work out non-technical things effective enough to be relied on or to achieve their purpose. Technical is, is more mechanical, but, um, but when you're talking about artistic, you're talking about things that are not as mechanical. There's a lot more to this. We can go wise and prudent. We've got genius and ingenious. We've got creative. We've got anticipation, we've anticipated, we talked about it. So when you're talking about judging an expert, I think you get my point. There are a lot of things you have to know and be for in yourself to say. But our favorite thing, who are you to judge me? Who are you to speak into my life? Who are you to say I'm not capable? Who are you? This is who they are. And it's also a good way to assess not crit- criticize, to assess those that you're yielding yourself to. You don't want to get some, if God says that you're going to take over nations, then you probably don't want to submit yourself to somebody who's still wrestling with the neighborhood. Did I say that nice enough? Okay. okay, so a lot of people, you're with these wonderful ministers that are great, but they don't have your calling. So they can't get you there. They may be able to induct you, bring you in, give you initial training, but in the end, you've got to be where the person has offered that they're there. Evidence. You have to have evidence of expertise, not just declaration. I'm an expert in my field. Okay, show me. Where's the fruit of your excellence? Where's the fruit of your expertise? And, and don't call yourself that if you're still in group. Just say, you know what, one day I'm going to be. Now, what I've done is I've uh, developed a number of assessments that can help you know who you are and where you are, are in the spectrum of what you're calling your ability, capability, your skill set, your proficiency, your excellence and expertise. There, there's range. 
because remember, think threshold. Because that's important. So the threshold has to be something. When you're assessing the people that you're going to use, start with the threshold, the baseline. What is the least that they can do, minimum to maximum? And then when people exceed what you consider is a maximum, you then know you're moving into that thing. Expert is a master. You've got to understand that. And the church doesn't – you cannot say you're an expert in the church as a Christian because that's prideful. Now, you can say that you are – um, generous to a fault, that's not prideful. <laughs> but you can't say that you're excellent. We don't measure ministers by that. We don't me- measure our speakers by that. That's why you're disappointed in them, because you don't have the articulation, which is the value of the word cloud. You don't have the articulation to say what is irking your spirit, what is grieving your spirit. You don't know until you have things like this, and you say, oh, so this is what I should be looking for, not just looking for the anointing, not just looking for how lovely they are and how loving they are, but you have got to look for fruit. God's a fruit man. Fruit is visible. It's countable. It's measurable. It's scalable. So, and it has its own indicators and markers. People look at, some folk can look at a seed and tell you what kind of seed it is. I can't, but, you know, some of them can. I, but though I can't pick up an apple seed, I can see that. Well, I hope this was a blessing to you today. Yes, yes, How'd they do? <laughs> so, again, thank you for joining me. When I tell you think differently to live powerfully, you now know what I'm talking about. And you now know how to begin to think differently. You won't get all of this in a week or month or year. It took me from 1982. But I also had to build it, test it, try it, and refine it. Well, I'm there now, and we're ready. So I would, again, encourage you to get your – hold it up since you took it. Okay. Because, you know, she said, I'll be taking that. All right. Get your – Word cloud terminology book. This is what it does. This is what some, one of the things you can do with it. I could take this one here and teach almost six months on it and produce a product. See, teaching is useless if you don't produce a product. Education is useless if you don't produce a product. If you just re- produce a parrot, you're not a teacher. Okay? So, and many times all you do is produce a parrot. Why? Because we don't give them critical thinking skills and the analysis and all the other things that make us thought leaders and ultimately experts in Jesus Christ. I, I love the way Apostle Ashley said when she was in her commission class, she had finally figured out the apostle. Okay? I finally figured what they are. Do you remember what you said? Expert in all things Jesus Christ. Expert in all things Jesus Christ. Try to tell the Apostle John he wasn't an expert in Jesus Try to tell the 12 they weren't experts in the Son of Man and the Son of God. So you can't be an apostle and not understand that. This afternoon I'm going to do a class on, uh, uh, on that kind of thing, because you're going to do your work. See, aren't you ready? Oh, man. We're going to do a class on it because I came across a powerful term that really revolutionizes how you see apostles in their commission. So I'm going to do that class. I don't know if I'm doing it live or not. I'm not yet made up my mind about that. But I will have it available. Again, share, 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 and then share, 
What do you want them to do again? Share some more. Share some more. And give a lot. What I'm giving you, I'm, you know, this is out here. I can take and hide it and do all of these kinds of things, although this is just a, a fragment of what I can give you. But the point is, if I've sown the spirituality of these principles and practices to you, your response is to show to sow materially. So she should have it on the screen, so and so and so, 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 because you know you listen to a lot of stuff on social media, and you don't get a lot that will help you fulfill your calling in God in ways that will make you indomitable. If you're in the area, join us Sunday at the, Congre- at the embassy, the home of the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands, 8 o'clock Sunday school. We have Apostle Sally this month. They tell me that she's just roll- steamrolling along. She's acting out. She's trying, to, she's trying to show her expertise in Jesus Christ. And then um, and at 10 o'clock, I'll be there with you. We're still on the Dunamite journey and the biotic creation as well as the biotic new creation. Until then, think differently, live powerfully, and when you get this, you can do it. God bless you.